Coming up next, you're happiest, I'm happiest, when we can control our work rhythm. And then, why teachers are completely overwhelmed and burning out and what needs to be done about it. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in the rest of your life. This is The Ken Coleman Show. And I'm Ken. Thrilled to have you with us. So I've been diving into some data about what makes people really, really unhappy as it relates to work. Now, there are a myriad of answers, a myriad of answers, but I want to focus on the one that actually shows, shortens our life. It, it, it blew me away. I, so I'm doing all this research, writing a new book right now, and I see this, and, and I it's full stop. According to a 2020 study from the Indiana University Kelly School of Business, our mental health and our lifespan have a strong correlation to how much autonomy we're given at work. So what does autonomy look like in a professional setting? All right, let's pause. All right, so autonomy is a fancy word. And it just simply means freedom. Okay? It's that simple. Every human being on the planet is born with the spirit to be free. I don't care the political leanings of the country they're born in. I don't care the religious background this person. I'm telling you, whether you're a person of faith or not, now I would just tell you that I, I make no bones about it. I believe we were created by God, and God put that spirit of freedom in us. You know, listen, and this is going to freak some of you out. I don't care. You'll get over it. There are way more offensive things being said on the airwaves than what I'm about to say. But Scripture actually says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So our creator, and I've said this a million times on the show, that every person was created to contribute through work. Okay, so we step back into that. There is an individuality there that has to be acknowledged. And, and let's just be honest. Can we, we are so divided in this country and around the world over stuff that just doesn't matter. Can I just tell you something? Anybody with half a brain, you know, let me dial that back. Anybody with a quarter of a brain working knows that there's something in the human spirit that longs for freedom. I'm parenting three teens right now. I've got a senior in high school, I've got a sophomore in high school, and i got an eighth grader. Let me tell you what I know about all three of my kids. They aren't trying to be jerks. They aren't trying to be rebellious when they push back against me and my wife. They're just beginning to experience a desire for more freedom. And anybody that's ever parented teens, if you're honest with yourself, you realize that's what's going on. They desire freedom. They want more freedom. Humans long to be free. They deserve to be free, period. Free. Freedom in every area of their life, but certainly freedom to work. So when we look at the work world, it shouldn't be surprising that workers who feel like they don't have much control or freedom over their work, it begins to affect their mental health and their physical health to the point that they die on average 10 years younger. Now, let's dive deeper. Autonomy, freedom, it's not just about flexibility. A lot of you are hearing this, you're going, go, Ken, go. I want to work remote. Well, it's not that simple. What we're talking about here in this flexibility is getting to decide 
how you work. So you're working with your leader. Now, look, if you're at a company that says, look, you got to be in three days a week and you can work home two days a week, those are the rules. You don't get to protest that. We got too many freaking protests in this world. Now, protest something that matters. Go protest policy. But you don't get to freaking protest what your boss says about when you got to be in the office. Now, here's your one protest. You can quit. You're free to quit. Go quit. That's fine. But true autonomy here is really about expectations. So too many people think it's about where I work or when I work. In other words, they think it's about uh, I, I want to be flexible to work in the office or outside the office. No, let me tell you what this is about. This is not about being able to work in an office when you want to work. This is about expectations. So when you take a job, you take a job and they say, okay, this is what we want you to do. If it's a good company, they say, okay, you're going to get paid to do this. It's much like athletes or musicians that may play in a band. If you're in a concert band or you're in a cheerleading squad or you're in a, a dance group uh, or you're on a football team, basketball team, whatever, or you're in a job, the coach, the leader, the authoritarian in the position says, this is what I'm asking you to do. It's what I'm expecting you to do. So once that's clear, you go, okay, I know what they expect me to do. Autonomy and what people really crave is, tell me what you want me to do. Train me how to do it. Give me the resources to do it. And then leave me alone. <laughs> that's what we all want. I mean, even kids. You know, I, I, I get most eye rolls with my kids when I over-parent or over-instruct. Every time. And I realize it now because, again, I'm a parent and I'm trying to teach and I'm trying to train all this. But when my kids look at me and go, Dad, I got it. What they're really saying is, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I'm going to do the job. And if I don't do the job, then we deal with the consequences. So... We have to understand that's what autonomy is. That's what freedom is. And that's what we long for. So leaders, those of you that are leading people, need to understand this. Are you giving your people some freedom? Tell them what you want for them, uh, what you want from them. Tell them when you want it and how you want it. And if they got questions, you can explain the why, but then get out of the way. Great leadership is not nanny ship. It's not monitoring people. It is trusting people. And people want to be trusted. And to the extent that they're not trusted, then they, they begin to feel constricted and controlled. And that speaks against the human spirit. And by the way, I, I speak for basketball teams. I speak for, for football teams. And every time I talk to coaches, and coaches will tell me stuff behind the scenes, and if they're chafing against a player, I always, now again, let me just say this. I have the benefit of coming in from the outside. But every time I look at the coach and I go, all right, let's first look at, are they clear on the expectations? And, and, and if they are, then I'll say, all right, uh, have you coached them up? Do they, you feel like they've, they've got everything? There's no questions left unanswered? Yeah, 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 okay. Well, then we have an attitude of rebellion or there's something else going on, a lack of belief in the player. Maybe they're mad, they're angry, but there's something going on there. But I can tell you this. When a coach, when a leader makes it very clear what is expected, when it's expected, how we want you to do it, and they're going to give you the tools to do it, and then they get out of the way, you're going to see the greatest performance from humans. Because humans want that freedom to go, all right, I'm going to go do it now. 
I'm going to go do it. I'm going to learn as I do it. I'm going to fail. I'm going to win all that, but they need to be left alone. So some of you managers, some of you coaches out there that listen and watch the show, let me tell you what the breakthrough is. Okay. The breakthrough is people want a chance to succeed or fail. A study from Atlassian found that 83% of employees with greater autonomy at work had a positive outlook on their organization's culture compared with only 47% of those with less autonomy. But what does that tell us? What that tells us is you got a better chance of keeping people in the office and working for you longer. I don't mean hours in the day. I mean staying with you and not leaving you. Again, coaches, you want to build a championship team? You build a relationship with each one of your players where they realize, hey, I am trusted to do my job, and my coach is going to guide me, correct me along the way. So in light of all this data, a lot of companies are still resisting giving their employees this much freedom. I mean, if I hear one complaint more than any other complaint, it's that my manager is a micromanager. They're hovering over me. You know? Why? Because the manager's afraid. And because the manager's afraid or the coach is afraid, they're controlling. You show me a coach or a manager who's done a very good job laying out expectations, training the people, guiding them along the way, and stepping back, you show I'll, I'll show you a man or woman who's very, very content that they've done the job they need to do as a leader and they trust their team. But you show me a leader who doesn't trust their team, I'll show you a scared leader. What are you scared of? If they screw up, you think it's on you? No, it shouldn't be that way. According to the American Psychological Association, 2023 study, about one-third of the working population doesn't have autonomy at work. And now we're trying to get people to come back to the office and forcing these mandates and putting all this pressure on them. Let me tell you something. You know what that's doing? It's further squeezing people into a place where they don't feel trusted and wanted and valued, and they're going to leave you. Autonomy, freedom, to be our best is what people long for. You want people to work well? Treat them well. This is The Ken Coleman Show. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, one way to win at work is to do work that you care deeply about. Like, you actually give a crap about it. It's meaningful. But what do you do? How do you do that? Well, you got to dig. You got to figure out what is that? What is in my heart? So I ask people all the time, who are the people you really want to help? So you got to spend time on that. So how would you spend maybe an extra hour a day? Is it about reading a book, listening to a podcast like this or something else? Is it a new skill? Or is it coffee with a mentor? Is it yoga? Maybe, maybe not. But can I make a suggestion? If this is about the heart and doing meaningful work, I think therapy can help you find what really matters to you. Your life, your life experience, the environment you grew up in, pains, victories, that shapes your heart. And if you're thinking about therapy as, well, I just got to have something really bad going on in my life, I think you're missing it. I want you to try better help. Just try it. Therapy isn't just for people who are going through trauma. It's really great for awareness, self-awareness, to be able to build skills, to take that awareness and transfer it into work that really matters to you. And boy, will that change your life and your income. BetterHelp's awesome because they're flexible enough to fit your busy schedule. And it's all online. You fill out a short questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no cost. Listen, folks, I do regular therapy. 
I can't endorse it enough. It's about awareness, and awareness is a superpower. So make time for what makes you happy. Use your time with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. If you're enjoying the program via YouTube, would you help us grow? You can do that by liking the videos you're watching, subscribing to the channel, and sharing. And if you're listening via podcast, give us a follow, a five-star review, and share as well. I would be grateful for it. Okay, um, you know, I've talked about this issue a lot on this program, and I've actually spent a lot of time talking to teachers in this country And I will tell you that as I move into this story, it's important that you understand the context. This is a public school setting. Uh, I I don't see the data uh, on private schools. I would assert that there's probably some crossover to some of the issues that I'm going to cover. But this is is based on data, and this is based on me talking to nearly 50 public school teachers in Zoom calls, on the phone, me interviewing them. And uh, let me also say that I am an advocate for our teachers. I can't stand the system that they are in, but I love teachers. So understand that I'm going to be very strong on some stuff here. And some of you folks, you're, you're in that snowflake category and you hear me say something and you're not listening to what I'm saying. And I can't control that. Uh, if you get offended by this, you're not a good listener, and now you can be offended at that. Because if you listen to what I'm going to say, and you understand that I'm taking the position of America's teachers, who, by the way, have committed to serve our greatest resource, which is our students. And as fate would have it today, I didn't know this, we've got an unbelievably bright group of students sitting out here watching the show in the lobby today. So uh, as I look at these young men and women, I'm telling you, they are... America's future. Period. It ain't me. I'm 49. I'm I hopefully I'm I'm I've got more than halfway to go. But I'm I've been launched. I'm looking at these young people and they are our country's greatest resource. They're the future. We will hand the baton to them. And we as parents know that, but it's almost like we parents get kind of bottled up into well, just the kids that we're responsible to raise. And I think that's short-sighted. Uh, yes, I'm responsible to parent my, my kids, but as an adult, a taxpayer in this country, a good citizen, I have a responsibility to play my part in making sure that we are setting our young people up. Well, they're the future. <laughs> and this stuff matters, and, you, and we lose sight of this. So let me get to this. I've talked about this issue a lot on the show. It's time to talk about it again. Headline, some teachers are completely overwhelmed. They are experiencing burnout. This is not new. In fact, it's actually getting worse. I have shared this on the show last year. We saw data come out of the Department of Education and from the main teachers union in this country. Again, we're talking about public school teachers here that they expected over 50%, about 53% of their current teachers to resign within the next year. Folks, that's a five-alarm fire. It's a dumpster fire that's horrible. And now we're going to tell you why. 
They're burned out. Teacher shortages, classroom overcrowding, and parent over-involvement. Now, I'm going to speak to parents today because I can speak to parents. As I said, I've got three teenagers right now. Uh, one of my sons uh, has dyslexia and some processing challenges. He's brilliant. But our American school system isn't set up for kids that think that way. It's set up for kids like my brother, if I'm being honest, who is just straight A's, good and everything. Uh, let me bring myself into this. I have ADHD, high-functioning, but the side of my brain, I'm not even sure which side it is, that's about math and science, is completely dark. If they did a brain, if they had a brain scan on me right now, you'd think I was brain dead on one side of my brain. I'm not good at math and science, never will be, and I don't need to be. But our school system is a one-size-fits-all assembly line that is creating test takers, not pathfinders. Do you know how many brilliant kids like my boy are brilliant, and yet you put them in a test like an ACT, SAT, and they may struggle? I struggle with taking tests. I'm a creative guy. I sit in classrooms where I'm not interested in the topic, and my brain is over here. Does that make me a loser? No. By the way, I dropped college algebra six times. I dropped out of college. I'm doing real well, folks. I'm no loser. <laughs> We've discouraged kids from going into the trades. All of a sudden, they're losers if they become a bricklayer or a a, 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 a electrician or HVAC. Come on, man. I know people that are going to those businesses. I mean, going to those trades, coming out of those trades, owning their own business, and they're multimillionaires. I don't give a crap where you went to college. I could care less. By the way, I got news for you. Nobody outside of your parents, your grandparents, your brothers, sisters, maybe crazy Uncle Larry and Aunt Martha care about where you went to college. Nobody cares. Last time you went to the doctor, did you ask your doctor where they went to med school? What their GPA was. No, you didn't. Why? Because nobody gives a crap. What they care about is can you deliver what it is that you're being paid to deliver? So nobody cares. So teachers are in this assembly line system where school is no longer about training young people. School is about getting them prepared for the standardized testing that a bunch of politicians and bureaucrats came up with the idea to say, oh, let's test our kids some more. You're stressing our kids out. You're stressing our teachers out. They have to teach to the test. They don't teach the topics anymore. They teach to the test. That's what they're telling me. Because local politicians, state politicians... Federal politicians, all of them in Washington, D.C., don't have a freaking clue about educating anybody. If they listen to the teachers, the teachers would tell them. We have more and more kids now. This Gen Z, this, this group I'm looking at right now in the lobby, they're more entrepreneurial than ever. They're thinking about running their own businesses more than previous generations. They're questioning the value of college, not because they're losers and deadbeats, because they've seen older people go, well, I'm in debt up to $100,000 and I can't even get a freaking job. They're also seeing their cohorts go on YouTube and become millionaires. The world has changed. Our education system has it. And now to you parents, one of the main reasons that teachers are reporting being burned out is because as soon as they send out the grades and they publish the grades, if Johnny didn't do a good job on his quiz 
or Susie got a D on her test. The parents are lighting the teachers up going, what did you do? What did you? And it's like they've put the teachers under attack when it's your kid didn't do their job. You know why? Because we have a scourge in America where the American parent has made their kids' academic performance and the college they choose all about their status. Ooh, now I'm really hacking some people off, but this is the truth. Parents, if you got a kid who says, I'm not built for school, I want to get outside and work, I want to go do this with video cameras or whatever, you ought to listen to them. But see, you've been told by the education system at large and politicians and all the marketing message that if your kid doesn't go to college, they're a loser. And it's just simply not true. They're not losers. They got a different path. And so one of the reasons we got teachers bumping out of this whole thing, they're going, I'm out. It's because there's a difference between a parent being involved to say, hey, why is my kid struggling? What can I do at home to support you in the classroom? We got parents pressuring teachers to give their kids a better grade. They're focused on better grades instead of better parenting. Woo! I'm going to let that one sit for a second because that's what's going on. Your mama and your daddy kids they're all hung up in their own status instead of just saying, all right, so my kid struggles in math. Big freaking deal. He's probably going to pay somebody to do that for him one day because that's what I do. I don't do my own taxes. You know why? Because I'd be in jail right now. For cheating intentionally? No, for being a disaster because I'm not good with accounting and numbers. So I pay someone really good money to do it for me. We've got to understand we're losing our best and brightest teachers because they're being pushed out of the industry by hovering parents and bureaucratic policies that make it impossible for them to sustain it. If we don't wake up, we're going to have a massive fire on our hands. And it's time we, the people, woke up. We can change the system. We can invest in our kids by making sure we have teachers who want to keep showing up. This is The Ken Coleman Show. You were created to fill a unique role in your work. That means you are needed, and it means you must do it. You need to understand you are valuable, but with that value comes a responsibility for you to show up and give your best because there are other people out there waiting for you to show up and meet them in their area of need. That's the way we need to be looking at work, not just, I got to get a job to pay them bills. Blech. Nobody was created to collect 26 paychecks a year. So we're here to help. Speaking of which, it's time to coach somebody up. Let's go to Kelvin, who joins us in Kansas City, Missouri. Kelvin, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hi, Mr. Coleman. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. What's up? Well, I'm I'm looking for, hoping to find a solution, uh, one solution to kind of two issues. Um, so the first issue being, uh, I'm newly married. My wife and I got married back in May. All right. Congrats. And, um, thank you. It's been wonderful. It's been a good a good summer, and. Um, we've kind of been talking about our future together and, uh, and when, whenever we start having kids and growing our family, we both find, we both would find it ideal if she could be a stay at home mom 
um, so that we can have a parent around our kids at all times. Um, so that's kind of issue number one. And the issue with that is I, I would really need to find a job that would pay enough for us to be able to be a, a single income family. What's that number? Um, well, I don't really know, I guess. Um, All right, so, so, right now, so let's break this down so that we can get to okay. the second problem. Okay. You got to know what your budget is. You got to know what your needs are before we can start thinking about this. It, it, it can be very um, intimidating if we're trying to hit a target that we're not quite sure of. So we start with, okay, this is what we're going to need to live comfortably. Now, don't, you know, and again, I'm not knocking your youth. I was young once. But let's not go pie in the sky with this number. Let's be conservative. Right. So let's look at, okay, this is what we need for housing. So that's rent uh, or mortgage. You don't need to buy a house early. If you've already got a house, great. But if not, I would rent. Renting is not throwing money away. Renting gives you options. So we, Yeah, so we, we so, are renting right now, and right. Uh, we don't have any debt or anything, and Perfect. we're saving up for a house. We've right. got about 20000 saved. So Perfect. So you need a budget. Okay. So you need a household budget. This is what we need to be comfortable each month. Is, is, is your wife working now? She is. How much does she make? Um, she makes about 20000 a year. 20000 um, What is she doing? She's working at a, a daycare. Is she working 40 hours a week? Uh, yeah, she is. Well, that needs to change. $20,000 is below the poverty level. She could be making more money than that. So let's get her a better job. That's going to allow us to do a couple things. It's allow us to fast forward saving for the house, number one, and getting us to a financial situation where when you guys do have babies, um, you guys can make, uh, make the decision for her to come home. So we need to increase her income. She should be making okay. way more money than $20,000 a year. Way more. I yeah, mean, I you can go freaking stock shelves at Walmart and make more than that, plus get great benefits. So, I mean, I'm not knocking the the profession. I'm just saying, if I'm you and I'm newly married and we want to increase our income to live a lifestyle that we want to live, mama needs to go get her a better job, you know? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So what I do agree. you make? Um, I make about 45. Okay, great. So you're at 65 now. Let's say we double hers. We're, that's going to put us at 85,000. That's a really good income for a young couple. Do you have mm-hmm. a? Are you, she's not pregnant now, is she? No, no, not nothing expecting. Yeah, and and let me also say this: you don't know when that baby's going to come on. You know, you just don't know. You know, I love the try-in and all that jazz, and that let's try to have it year one or year two, all that. But you have no control over that. So I'd be very. Let's just focus on winning financially. Uh, so we took care of that issue. She needs a better job. You guys need a clear budget, and you're saving, saving, saving. And then you know that, okay, if we're making combined 65, which is what you're making now, that's the bare minimum by which you would need to be making if baby comes along and we want her to stay home. Got it? Right. Uh, yeah, that's pretty so simple. It, issue two kind of ties in with that. Um, I'm simply just looking for a, a career that um, – is fulfilling to me. So right now I'm working a job and that's all it is, is a job. And, and I don't really get much, uh, get much fulfillment and happiness from that. And I'm, I'm hoping to all right, you're in the right make place. a change and find something. All right. You're in the right place. Have you taken my get clear work assessment by any chance? Um, I have not. I actually only recently discovered you. So fantastic. Um, all right. So I'm going to give that to you at the end of this call. I'm going to give you, that's a $30 assessment and I'm going to give that to you. Plus my book from paycheck to purpose. 
Okay, I'm going to give you those two things. Uh, but okay. let's let's talk through this because I think you have a pretty good idea of what you'd like to do. What is it that you um, would love to do? If I gave it to you today, and I just said, "Look, you don't have to do this rest of your life," but this is the thing we're going to try. What would you do? Well, one thing that I've always wanted to do is uh, uh, teach English as a second language abroad. Um, now, my wife isn't all too keen on that idea, but she said she'd be willing to do it for a year or two and come back, which okay, would be great. okay with me. But Right. Now, let me just pause right there. The fact that she's okay to do that before kids, that's what she's really saying. Let me. I speak, yeah. <laughs> I speak full marriage. Uh, okay. Not always great, but I've been married 25 years, so I know what that means. It means, okay, it's not my first choice. We could do it. And I think, by the way, doing that abroad uh, in your first couple of years of marriage would be great, great, great for you to see the world, get outside of America and get an idea how gigantic this world is, how different it is. It's a great experience. So I do that early on. What does that pay? Well, um, it depends on where you go. Um, it's not, not a whole lot. Uh, um, but I, I do have a bachelor's in English, and I, I was thinking about maybe going back to school and getting a master's, which would bump up the pay. And bump get up me the a, pay a for better, what? Uh, for teaching English, I guess. I don't know if that's true. I'm not saying it's not. You don't even have a job you like now. And I can tell you right now, teaching English as a second language, I'm not sure. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just not sure that a master's degree makes you more money overseas teaching English as a second language. I don't think that really helps. So now that's more time and more money. And and that's not fun to go get a master's degree. Listen, if a master's degree is the only way or the best way to do what you want to do, then I say do it, but I'm not sure that it is. Okay, well, so... Can I ask you, um, when, when, if we were to do that and then upon returning, um, I, I'm not, I'm not sold on going just straight into teaching for the exact reasons that you were just talking about on the show. Yeah. That's the um, other thing. And I, I want so you hanging I, out I, with some teachers and finding out what you're yeah. going into. So I don't, I don't know if there's another, um, path to, to why, take, um, why, why, why English? What, what's. What's the why behind that? To take me back. When did you first? Did you, do you love words? Is it prose? What <laughs> uh, is it? Um, to be okay. So when I when I started college, to be honest, I I didn't really do it for the degree. I did it for the the self achievement, I guess. Um, and English is something that I'm good at. I like reading and writing. Okay, so let's throw English I, off the table. Let's throw English off the table. English is a second. Let's throw it all off the table. Okay. There's there's four types of work. People work idea work, process work, and object work. Object being things. I'm fixing something. I'm building something. Does that okay. make sense to you, those four areas of work? Yes, I believe right. so. All right. What, what kind of work? Well, if you're going to pick one of those four buckets, people, ideas, process, or objects, which one would you pick? Uh, probably people. Mm-hmm. And what are your top people skills? Be honest. Um. Well, I I am I find it easy to kind of connect with people. I get along really well with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, if and, I asked uh, you, if I asked you to tell me a job, I want you to just tell me. Uh, forget job and job title. Let's say I give you a job tomorrow. You're working with people. Okay. Who are the people you most want to help? You have to commit your uh, life to this. You'd go, Ken. All right, I'm gonna work with people. I want to help these people with this problem answer that don't think about it just say it go 
um, the people, uh, the the role models that I think of off the top of my mind are like um, Fred Rogers and Jim Henson and and uh, these guys that that just worked with kids and okay. and made now made we, child okay. life better. All right, tell me where that's coming from with you. Give me a thirty second answer. Did you have a rough childhood? Uh, it wasn't it wasn't too bad um, until. Uh, my parents did go through a divorce, um, late elementary, middle through middle school. Broke your heart, didn't um, it? Sure did, yeah. Shattered your world, didn't it? Yes, sir. That's the connection to Mr. Rogers and the entertainment piece and, and bringing children some joy. I think you got to dig into that a little bit more. I'm going to give you my assessment, the Get Clear assessment, which is going to really help you figure out what you do best, the work you love to do, and the results that matter to you. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think it's service-oriented, and I think it's meeting kids that maybe have been put behind the eight ball of life, not of their doing, and their childhood, which should be innocence, has been shattered. I think there's a connection there for you, my man. I really do. And I think that's the direction. I don't know that English, second language, and all that teaching, I think you want to be on the ground, knee-to-knee, face-to-face, entertaining, encouraging children. And I think you need to be looking that direction. I really, really love your heart. Thanks for calling in. Hang on the line. We'll get to the Get Clear assessment and the book From Paycheck to Purpose. Follow your heart, folks. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.